millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, August 2nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, find out what some of Mississippi's elected officials are saying about the state and each other at one of the state's largest gatherings. Then we'll hear from advocates concerned with the state's animal abuse laws after a dog was found with its mouth muzzled. She was brought in, and we have been trying in the meantime not only to to bring her back to health, but to find out who did this. And in our book club, meet author and Mississippi native Julia Reed. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The state's attorney general and lieutenant governor are trading insults and sharing differing views on progress in Mississippi. During their speeches at this year's Neshoba County Fair, both Republican Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves and Democratic Attorney General Jim Hood spent time at the podium. It's what some consider a likely preview of the 2019 governor's race. General Hood spoke first, pointing out the inactivity of the legislature. You know, there's been a lot of yapping over at the legislature uh, of late. You know, everybody getting blamed for uh, things. And, and you, I mean, you would think I'm the one that went over there and amended a bill uh, to, to fix a road. Those kind of things. What, what you're seeing is people who are just attacking the messenger. And they're trying to deflect attention away uh, from the problems. And there are problems in our state. There are problems with our, with our economy, and you're going to hear a lot of that yapping over here uh, in the next few days of how great everything is, how low unemployment is, and all those things. So many people have just not even started trying to find jobs. That's why those statistics are there. And you know about statistics and lies and damn lies, and you know, you'll hear plenty of that. Um, and and it's, it's, it's frustrating to see our officials talk about uh, things that they've done and all these accomplishments. Well, look around and go ask some people. Go ask some builders. Go ask Mr. Yates, who most of their work, the contractors, are outside our state because our economy's flat. And, you know, as a prosecutor for 25 years, I've learned that our court system has rules. And those rules are to keep people on the, on, on the issue and stop bringing in, in irrelevant things. Hood says budget cuts, a crumbling infrastructure, and tax cuts are among issues threatening the state's economy. Mississippi has grown at a rate of 1% since the Great Recession. Our economy is not moving. We, we, the, the MEC goes over to the legislature with a silver platter and says, let's build some highways. Our highways are falling apart, our bridges, our city streets. Things are, are going down. We're seeing, we're seeing problems that, that have occurred just as a direct result of the legislative inaction. You see cops in danger of, of, of arrest when they're arresting people with mental health issues. And then they go put them in jail where they don't belong, where we're housing people. You see problems at our crime lab where if, 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 the, the, if somebody dies, say, say uh, uh, your husband dies, then you've got to get a death certificate to recover on your insurance. Well, the crime lab is so backed up because we had not been able to hire enough people to do autopsies 
about a year, then widows are sitting anywhere from six months to a year to get their uh, life insurance. I mean, you know, you're kicking widows out. And those are issues that are directly attributable to what the legislature's done. Attorney General Hood spoke on plans to continue addressing the issues over the next year. And you hired me on to, to, to follow and do my job right and not, make, not, not get out here and make political uh, uh, hay off of something like that. Now, I'd like to. I guarantee you it would be fun. But I can't do that this year. But let me tell you what. Next year, over the next year, I'll have an opportunity to finish this, this indictment and go forward with, with, with the facts and prove what, what problems that we have in Mississippi. The issues Hood raises are in contrast to the accomplishments Lieutenant Governor Reeves laid out during his speech. There are examples of growth and innovation all over our state, but that success would not be possible without strong leaders like Governor Bryant and Speaker Gunn. But just as President Trump's tax cuts are reviving Obama's lifeless economy, by the way, did you see that GDP growth was over 4% last quarter? Our policies are overcoming nearly 150 years of Democrat rule in Mississippi. When I first asked to be your lieutenant governor, I shared my fundamental beliefs on how to grow our economy. First, we must have a fiscally responsible government. Now, we have a truly balanced budget, nearly $350 million set aside for a rainy day, and we will end our eight-year run with less debt on the books than when we started. Second, we must have a tax code that is fair, one that is flat, one that encourages economic development, not one that discourages it. So we passed the largest tax cut in Mississippi history, reducing taxes for all individuals and for job creators. Because I believe that you know how to spend your money better than any bureaucrat in Jackson ever will. Third, for us to see incredible economic growth in our state, we must raise the educational attainment level of our citizens. We needed to get more diplomas in the hands of our high school seniors. And high school graduation rates have risen from 70.5% to over 82%. Reeves says Democrats want to turn the state blue. You won't hear about these good things if you just listen to the status quo liberals in Jackson. Because just as we're making progress balancing the budget, lowering taxes, and seeing real education reforms make a difference in kids' lives, liberals want to let off the gas. They're calling on their friends from Hollywood to Washington to help them stop our progress with the same passion they're using to fight President Trump. And make no mistake, the national Democrats from coast to coast are answering the call. They are pouring money into Mississippi this year and will continue to do so in 2019 to fight our conservative accomplishments. Jim Hood and his friends Nancy Pelosi and Barack Obama, they don't believe in our state's potential. They think they can break our conservative principles. They would love nothing better than to turn Mississippi blue. Are you ready to help me stop them? Lieutenant Governor Reeves also takes political aim at Jim Hood. Twenty-six attorneys general have endorsed the president's current nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. Unfortunately, our attorney general was not one of them. Honestly, honestly, I've been itching for the election season to start. 
Our Attorney General seems to be a man of growing political ambition. If his ambition causes him to leave the Attorney General's office to be replaced by a lawyer that is focused on liberty instead of litigation, then Mississippi will be better off for it. While neither candidate announced a bid for the governor's race, both were asked about their references to 2019 activity. Lieutenant Governor Reeves says his participation in the legislative session will affect any campaign activity. Well, look, obviously uh, running for public office in Mississippi is a difficult thing. Uh, you've got to hire a lot of staff. You've got to get a lot of people. You've got to uh, do a lot of different things. And, and by the way, uh, my most important and number one thing from a, a job standpoint is I'm going to be in the legislative session January and February and March of next year. And because my responsibility is to the taxpayers of Mississippians who elected me to serve as their lieutenant governor, and I'm honored that they did. But because of that, we're probably having to lay the, work, the, the groundwork a little bit earlier than maybe some others would have to do. Attorney General Hood says he is close to making a decision. Well, I don't know, and I'm, I'm, I've, I've kind of made up my mind. I'm, I'm giving uh, my wife a little bit more time to make sure everything's okay with her, but uh, that's that's something that I'm looking hard at. I mean, I'm just tired of seeing our state uh, sliding backwards. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not moving forward, and everybody knows. Reeves, Hood, and other officials acknowledged infrastructure and transportation issues at Mississippi's giant house party. State Transportation Commission Chair Dick Hall says the issue has lasted too long without answer. In my 42 years of public service, I don't recall a time when I have been so concerned with our lack of a solid plan for our economic future. Just last week, I read of a new ranking of America's top states for business in 2018. Once again, infrastructure was listed as a key issue in the criteria used for determining that ranking. Mississippi's infrastructure was listed as 41st out of 50. This is the same highway system that not long ago was judged to be the sixth best in the nation and number one in the Mid-South. But it doesn't do to build the biggest and the best if you don't provide the resources to properly maintain it. Who can fix it? The answer, those who control the money. And who controls the money in Mississippi? the legislature, along with the concurrence of the governor. A fellow by the name of William James put it so well when he said, nothing is so fatiguing as the eternal hanging on of an uncompleted task. This one has been hanging on for 31 years. Hall says he hopes members of both the State House of Representatives and State Senate participates in a special session on infrastructure. He says a two to three cent per gallon fuel tax would be a stable source of funding. It's my sincere prayer that this time, if the governor calls a special session of the legislature, Senate leadership will arrive with an attitude of cooperation and a desire to finally find a solution. Our governor does say that he hopes to call for a special session of the legislature this month. I'm told that a number of options will be considered for the funding of our infrastructure, such as uh, a diversion of the sales tax on Internet sales, the possible enactment of a lottery, and possibly even proceeds from the newly authorized sports gaming. Any or all of this would help. But allow me to once again, as I have done every year for the last few years, state the need for a dependable, predictable source of funding. The building or reconstruction of a highway project 
can sometimes take five to ten years from conception to construction. This requires absolute certainty for year-to-year -year stable funding. And the best way to provide that stable funding is the way we have been providing it. That's with the fuel tax. This remains the fairest and most predictable tax. The user pays. Those driving over the roads and bridges pay for the roads and bridges. Transportation Commission Chair Dick Hall. This year's Neshoba County Fair is the last for U.S. Congressman Greg Harper. The District 3 Republican took to the podium to tout some of his work in office. We've been put in a great situation to help Mississippi. I serve on the Energy and Commerce Committee. Uh, it's an incredible place uh, to serve. We've worked extensively on op opioid addiction. I've gotten to take three rides in self-driving cars. You know, one day you're going to be in a situation where you're going to get in a car. A lot of you are going to have, uh, a lot of you young people are going to have kids later in life that probably won't even learn how to drive. So the technology is changing. We've worked to protect on cybersecurity issues, which are so important, on the energy issues, how we take care of those things. I've also been uh, privileged to be the chairman of the Committee on House Administration. And somebody asked me on an interview just a minute ago, what is the thing that you're going to remember most, that you're most proud of? And I'll have to say it's this. My wife and I have had the privilege of raising a son, Livingston, who has special needs. Livingston just turned 29 in June. He's a sweetheart. Uh, if you happen to eat lunch uh, Monday through Friday at Primo's on Lakeland Drive, Livingston's going to be there working. He is incredible. So when I got to D.C., there was nothing there that, um, for students with intellectual disabilities to work on Capitol Hill. And as we know as we get older that God directs our paths and puts people in places in our lives. And I wound up being on the Committee on House Administration that oversees the intern programs on Capitol Hill. I said, why don't we start one? So nine years ago, we started an intern program for students with intellectual disabilities using students from Mason Life at George Mason University. We started with five House Republican offices as a pilot program one semester. Nine years later, for eight and a half years, it's been a permanent program. We've had over 180 House and Senate offices that have participated, Republicans and Democrats, to the point we don't have enough students with those special needs to meet the demand. And I encourage people, look at those with those special needs when you're making your hiring decisions. The Democratic candidate for Harper's seat, Michael Ted Evans, and the Republican candidate, Michael Guest, both spoke during yesterday's festivities. Congressman Harper is throwing his support behind Guest. I'm very proud that Michael Guest will follow in my footsteps. Michael Guest is going to be a great member of Congress who cares about this whole state, this whole district. It's going to be special. Political speeches continue this morning at the 2018 Neshoba County Fair. Coming up, we'll hear from advocates concerned with the state's animal abuse laws after a dog was found with his mouth muzzled. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. MPB News is leading the way, covering stories that matter to Mississippians with five first-place awards from the Associated Press, including breaking news, radio achievement, and public affairs reporting. Your source for a deeper look at today's top story is MPB News. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. An abandoned dog with gruesome, life-threatening injuries is now recovering in Greenville, but the case has raised questions over animal abuse justice in Mississippi. 
Animal abuse is considered a felony on the second conviction in Mississippi. Advocates are looking for the perpetrator of what they call animal cruelty to the small York- Yorkshire Terrier mix pup named Sugar. Dahl Stanley is with Animal Rights Group in Defense of Animals. And Fratizi is with the Animal Relief and Rescue Fellowship. The two spoke with MPB's Alexandra Watts about Sugar. She was found south of Greenville. A good Samaritan found her. She had a rubber band wrapped twice around her muzzle. She couldn't open her mouth. Her muzzle had, she looked like a different dog because her muzzle was so huge. And uh, now to see her little tiny muzzle like it's supposed to be, it was incredible. And the rubber band literally cut her to the bone all around her muzzle. What do people need if they suspect an animal is being abused? Like, how much evidence do you need? Who do you call? What's the next step? Well, for one thing, there are many organizations in the state now. Call one of them. Ask them what evidence they need to gather and how they need to gather it. How you gather evidence is just as important as gathering evidence. And then involve law enforcement, of course. And where do Mississippi's laws stack up against the other 49 states in terms of animal cruelty? How about not well at all? We're like on the bottom of the list. We have a felony law, but it only goes into effect on a second conviction. On a first offense, when I first came to Mississippi and for the last 20-something years, I was able to file a single count of cruelty for each and every dog and cat that was abused in a situation. Today, we've just had an incident in Jones County where 87 animals were removed. One count misdemeanor. That is incredibly disgusting that in 2018... I mean, Mississippi isn't that bad of a state. I'm sorry, but we are portraying ourselves that way by not protecting our children and animals. And do you think the laws need to be enforced, or do you think they need to be stronger? Because some people might say, well, we have laws, but we just don't enforce them already. Well, both. First of all, they need to be enforced. And secondly, and this is on judges, they need to start giving the stiff sentencing. Part of their concern, I'm sure, is the crowded jails. But on the other hand, you have to look at some of the offenses that people are committing that are nonviolent. Find those people, put them in a work program, but for a violent crime, definitely incarceration should be involved. And counseling of some kind, that's one of the things that's absolutely important, is that we find out what's going on in these people's minds and if we can help them. How often do you see cases like this, this severity? And is it mainly dogs, or do you see other animals as well? All kinds of animals. There really is no limit to cruelty. Sadly, dogs, cats, and horses usually get reported. Some other animals are never reported. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Just that if you see something, say something. You know, it isn't that the world is full of bad people. It's full of non-complacent people, people who say, oh, they'll burn my house down. My God says, fear not, I'm with you. In Defense of Animals, Dahl Stanley says there are cash rewards offered, but no suspects in Sugar's case. If you have information on Sugar or any other animal abuse, you can report it to local law enforcement. Coming up in our book club, meet Mississippi native and author Julia Reed. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
If you miss anything on MPB Think Radio, you can always stay up to date by logging on to our website at mpbonline.org or use your mobile device and download our MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Mississippi Book Festival is only weeks away, and as we prepare for the literary lawn party, we're sitting down with some of Mississippi's authors. In today's book club, meet columnist, writer, and editor Julia Reed. Her book, South Toward Home, Adventures and Misadventures in My Native Land, is her humorous take on life and culture in the American South. The Greenville native tells us more. The nice thing about living where we live is that all you have to do is kind of look at the window most days. I mean, there's a piece in this book that is about a woman who went to her own funeral. I mean, we all go to our own funerals, but usually we're in a pine box. This woman had obviously some very clear notes that as soon as she, like, sort of shuffled off this mortal coil that before she hit rigor mortis, they, like, bent her into a seated position so that at her funeral, which was held at a theater, a big theater in New Orleans, she could sit on stage in a chair, (laughs) holding a goblet of champagne in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And she was surrounded, like, she had a little cocktail table with an ashtray on it and, like, a bucket of champagne, Vivica, which is her favorite. And her picture in this get-up, and she had, like, you know, like a nice cocktail dress, made the front page of the paper, which was actually kind of creepy, but, um, or not kind of creepy, it was super creepy. But that's the kind of thing, like, if I wrote as fiction, people would say, all right, now you're going a little over the top. Like, you know, there's an expression down here, for good reason, you can't make this stuff up, mm-hmm. and I don't have to. You know, that sort of gets your attention right, and I've got a deadline looming, and I think, okay, well, I'll write a piece about people that go to their own funerals in slightly unusual ways. Julia, is your life funny, or do you just write funny? Oh, man, I think life is pretty funny. You know, there are two ways to look at it. You can, the world right now is fairly, you know, you can make the case it's pretty scary and depressing and crazy. You know, most things are funny. Doctors will tell you now, it's really, really good for you. I'm kind of weirdly in a perpetually pretty good mood, except when I'm on deadline and then I, you know, I always think the world's about to end. And I'm fortunate enough, I mean, like I grew up in the Mississippi Delta and we were a pretty sparsely populated place for a long time and there's still not all that many people around. You know, everybody I grew up with is funny. I didn't know what real Chinese food tasted like because I've been eating a version of Delta Chinese food all my life until you go to Chinatown. It's like you get out of town, you realize, oh, this is what Chinese food tastes like. Well, I got out of town and also realized, you know, most people aren't all that funny, which was a huge shock. My parents are really funny. And, uh, I mean, that's kind of my number one criteria for hanging out with somebody. I mean this as a compliment. It's almost like... When you read what you've written, it just happened to you. You came in, you sat down, and you wrote it. Well, no, I take that as a compliment. There's an, actually, there's an essay in this book. I broke my elbow a couple of years ago crossing the street in New Orleans, which is a dangerous thing. I mean, you could get shot or you could fall in the pothole, which is <laughs> And um, I couldn't type. I mean, I was in this ridiculous cast, and so I couldn't type. And everybody's like, oh, don't worry about it. There's all these apps for that. Well, I mean, Siri can't even understand me on my phone, so I was a little... I wasn't very hopeful. And sure enough, none of the apps, the dictation apps, understood a single word I said except for the profanity which would come out of my mouth after they screwed up all my sentences. And then I'd have to erase that. So it was not a good system. But it was funny because people have always told me kind of what you did, and I take it as a high compliment. Like, you know, you just you write just like you talk. But, I mean, I think what you realize that what people call a voice with a writer is kind of a slightly more fine-tuned, heightened version of that person's voice. 
if I have a thought and I'm in the car and I'm, you know, I know I'm working on something and I think I better dictate this before it runs out of my brain to pan, I will turn on my phone and like dictate the line. And it's never as punchy as when I type it. There's something about the alchemy of your fingers hitting the keyboard or before that your pen to paper. It took me a long time to be able to sort of achieve the same raw or natural voice on a keyboard. I used to write stuff out in longhand and, and then retype it. I mean, I joke about it, but it's not its not really a joke. I've written some of my best stuff on the back of vomit bags on airplanes because, <laughs> well, because you can listen to your own voice. You know, it's one of the few places that you can't have a cell phone. And I try to look like Clint Eastwood when people start talking to me next, next to me. And so you really have some quiet time and you're suspended in midair and it's kind of a good time to listen to the sound of your own head. And so all of a sudden, stuff comes really clearly into your brain pan, and you got to scribble it down, and there, there you go. You've got this vomit bag all white and pristine in front of you. And sometimes I do run in the house if I've had a thought and, and type it down. Julia Reed is the author of South Toward Home, Adventures and Misadventures in My Native Land. Julia, thank you so much. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. Julia Reed will be at Lemuria Bookstore in Jackson on Wednesday, August 8th, starting at 5 p.m. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Creature Comforts. At 10, it's Season Pass. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio.